this is Restless. Welcome back to Restless, your home for the postmortem on the young, restless, and reformed. I am your host, Matt, joined by Pastor Michael, and we are broadcasting in the glorious era of dress shirts and sweatpants. How are you today, Michael? I'm doing well. You know, I, uh, I'm i in the church library. That's where I'm recording from. Nobody else can see that because we don't put these videos up. But I do have my computer sitting on top of some of Calvin's commentaries. Uh, and I like to think that that is symbolic and that hopefully John Calvin is looking down on us from heaven and saying, what you guys are doing is super rad. I can imagine he's probably saying that right now. That's a great shirt. John Calvin thinks we're super rad. <laughs> this this podcast is truly reformed and yeah. <laughs> is based on the most important tenets of Calvinism. Today, though, we are maybe not talking about something that is kind of our, our normal bread and butter, but I think as we go on, we're going to hit more and more subjects like this. Today, we are discussing celebrity culture. Yeah, this seemed to be a topic that we needed to get into eventually because it's part and parcel of American life, the internet revolution, and because of that, uh, you know, this American evangelical movement called New Calvinism. When we record these episodes, at the end of our recording, we often find ourselves saying, oh, we need to do this, we need to do this. We find like three more subjects we have to cover. And at the end of almost every single one, we've said, man, we need to hit on celebrity culture. And so we are going to do two or three episodes on it. Um, and we are, we're looking forward to do it. And so let me start by helping everyone in our audience and Michael and I get on the same page about what is celebrity culture, right? It's, it is important. And it's probably a little bit, probably like a lot of the things we do, we are describing water to fish. It's just, it's just all around us. It is life in America. It is American cultural life, right? It is this, the celebrity culture on its most basic level is this, this high volume and, and high like penetration of celebrities into our ever, into our daily lives and us seeing their personal lives and being interested. And obviously this is connected to the kind of consumer brands they represent and, and then the person themselves kind of making themselves something they sell to us. Michael, is there anything you would want to add about just what a celebrity is? Um, maybe what the most basics of what your understanding of celebrity culture is? I guess even as you were just saying all that, I was thinking about how this really isn't new in the sense of elevating certain individuals uh, to a to a particular status where uh, they are seen in, you know, as if they are, you know, uh, Kind of above everyone else, or or have some kind of special talent or ability, and and so they are are praised and set apart in a particular way because of that. Uh, so this isn't new, right? I mean, this is uh, why we still have stories of you know Achilles, why we why we still talk about Alexander the Great, and I don't I don't know. There's there's always been uh, you know certain people that that rise above others as being noteworthy in some way. And I think, I don't know if this is the best time to get into this, but I do think that what makes what we're talking about more particular is the fact that uh, this 
normal human desire to kind of lift up some and, you know, uh, those who have proven themselves in some way and, and seen them as, you know, worthy of respect because of it, that has been, you know, usurped with kind of the internet social media revolution into this person is much like what uh, Ray Bradbury has in Fahrenheit 451, where you have your family, which are these these images of people on screens that you interact with in your home, right? Like it's much become like that, right? You have your phone, you have your computer, and you can you can almost pretend like this person is right here with me, and so they're important to my life. Yeah, I think when we think about when we use the phrase celebrity culture, we're obviously referring to kind of a modern phenomenon. And I think the three things that it requires is this one, it requires mass media for there to be the kind of prolif- proliferation of it into our lives, right? On every screen. I can know what they're doing because of social media. Two, it requires uh, the commercialization of that fame, right? The motivating factor of getting them in everything is me buying something, right? Corporate interests. And then third, the modern Western expression is an expression of our fascination with the entertainment industry. So whether that's sports, film, right, music, that it is, that that is the the primary set apart area. Though with the full social media revolution, you know, the, the, the understanding of celebrity on those platforms has also changed. Yeah, I guess you even see that, right? As as people maybe begin to see certain like political figures who they interact with online or who they, you know, now follow on social media, they become these important figures. And even with, you know, the the, you know, movement of Donald Trump into the presidency, you see kind of an overlap of this, you know, and I guess you could go back. Ronald Reagan was an actor, right? But right. like it does seem like there is this meshing or melding of the kind of, you know, entertainment world and the political world. This is why you have entertainers who are always coming out in support or against yes. certain, uh, you know, political actions or, or political figures because they have some kind of status or or perceived authority. Yes. we And maybe that's the other thing that we, especially as we talk about this in regards to New Calvinism, because of celebrity culture, or or maybe it's a feature of it, whatever's the right way to think about it, we grant them some authority. So it matters what Tom Hanks thinks about climate change, right? We we've granted them some kind of influence. So, and which is interesting, right? There's, you know, since since film has existed in the early 1900s, there has been a, you know, obsession. Like there's been an interest in the people in those things. But now we have the internet to totally disperse that information constantly to everyone about it. And now that has caused me to, maybe because they're the most visible to me, maybe because I have a perceived sense of trust, I have granted them a level of authority on not things, the things that have nothing to do with movies, politics, you know, dieting, all, you know, religion, right? You can, you can list anything. Right, we, they become basically like a family member, right? So this is like a, a, a father or a mother or a grandparent 
or a brother or sister who's telling me, hey, you should check this out. Hey, look what I just got from the store. Hey, here, eat this, right? It's something that maybe normatively you would just have someone in your direct immediate community and now all of a sudden that's been expanded outward. I also want to say, I'm, you know, I don't know if this is a little uh, bit of a tangent, but I can't help but think about it. Uh, we're almost at this point where because of the rise of social media and like, you know, everybody has a camera or recorder of some kind in their pocket all the time. Now with, you know, the onset of YouTube celebrity and Instagram and all of these things, uh, everybody, you know, making a podcast, which becomes your favorite and you listen to and you uh, appreciate, which is not a bad thing. I just want to say that up front. That's right. Subscribe, that is, rate, yes, and review please. The Restless Podcast. <laughs> please tell your friends about this podcast. Yep. Uh, no, but like... We're almost at this point where that celebrity is like it is starting to move out to the farther reaches, right? Like it's it's not as centralized as it once was. And I don't know if we're at the point where we can really see where that's going to go. I'm sure that that was, you know, uh, connected to the rise of new Calvinism with these, you know, guys who in any other part of the world would not be known for anything. Mm. Uh, just like they just, you know, this is in a very, a subset of culture within evangelicalism, you have these men arise. But I do wonder if we're seeing a point where that's going to change even more. And I'll say two more things about the the, the current form of celebrity culture before Pastor Michael tells us why this, this is the subject he wanted us to discuss, right? That, you know, it is interesting as you describe it as kind of filling this familial community need that is normal, but now it's being filled in these these relationships. It's very important to understand, while it doesn't feel this way to us with with a normal celebrity or with even these kinds of, right, even, even you with us on this podcast and the podcast I listen to, it doesn't feel this way, but it is a purely one-sided relationship. The listening you do, the Right, we're like we can as our we could says our podcast. Let's have a conversation, you know, or people get on some live stream social media app, and I just wanted to talk to my friend. No, it, it's purely one sided, right? And I think that that's a really important thing to hold in mind. And the other thing that has happened with the the most current form is that it is self aware. They have become we have become self aware. This culture exists and is influencing us, and the people. Right. This is why people try and become an influencer on Instagram. People are self-consciously going to position themselves in this. And so one of the ways you can tell this happens is, as, as the research I was reading says, there are now what we call infamous celebrities. And these are the celebrities we love to hate, right? So because we find celebrity so important, what you need to be able to to have that is you need to pe- have people who are famous, but we think they don't deserve to be. Because we give so much esteem to fame, we think, oh, these people, though, they, they're not worthy of the fame and attention we give them, even though we still give it to them. Pop culture examples we have are like our, are like the Jersey Shore cast, Kim Kardashian, right? These people that they get tons of attention, but everyone kind of knows that's you know, they don't, right? And you can think about it on a smaller scale. Like there are certain Christian leaders who we all know are going to say kind of clown things and people still follow them and still 
quote tweet their stuff and kind of troll their stuff, even though we don't, it's it's just an expression of that. I think in the um, in the kind of evangelical subculture. Yeah, go on Reform Twitter for like one minute, and basically it's everybody sharing the same bad tweet from some other you know Christian leader that they disagree with. Exactly. Yeah, you know, like with. Which is, you know, something to talk about in itself sometime. You don't, you don't need reformed Twitter. As we said, you have Restless. We Yes. So, Pastor Michael, why, in regards to New Calvinism, was, you know, was this the next subject to, to bring in? So, recently on the show, we've talked about how uh, it kind of, it was something that uh, came to our, our minds that in lieu of having some kind of denominational distinctive or confessional uh, kind of, you know, standing, uh, one of the things that happened within New Calvinism and evangelicalism as a whole is that particular personalities become the new tribe, the new confession. And so, uh, you know, you are known by which of these particular well-known teachers you follow and kind of subscribe to. And uh, I think that what this does, in a sense, in a culture that already likes to take personalities and uh, kind of exalt them to places that they probably shouldn't be, right? Giving them uh, authority uh, that they actually don't have, uh, or making it seem as though they have some kind of expertise in an area that they don't have. Um, in in a culture that already does that, when that comes into the church, what I think happens is more, at least potentially more damaging and pernicious than it would be outside of the church because we're not dealing with what toothpaste you should buy, right? Or, you know, what streaming service you should start using. What we're dealing with is uh, whether or not you will spend eternity uh, with God worshiping him or under his wrath. You know, like we're dealing with, uh, with who God is and how to know him and what man is supposed to be. We're, we're dealing with e- eternal issues, right? Things that are going to uh, affect you forever. Yeah. And so when when someone in in that capacity is lifted up and exalted to a place that maybe they should not have in your life, when they are treated as you know maybe closer than they actually are, or or having more authority than they actually do, I think it can be extremely damaging. Yeah, you're saying that because when we are dealing with the the ultimate things of God, right? We mean that on a like ultimate in in standard, ultimate in truth, and ultimate in in your eternal destiny and fate. We better be really sure about the method by which we are going about walking that path to lack a better a lot a better turn, right? We the guides you have matter eternally. And so leaving it to a leaving it to who's winning in branding is a very dangerous thing. Yeah, so judgments are made that are not 
based upon, you know, biblical revelation or like how you would normally want to weigh these kinds of things. And I think that part of this, I think this is true of celebrity culture in general, but especially bringing it home to the church. I think that one of the reasons we do this is because we are a very immature people. Mm. Uh, and and we have this uh, kind of, with immaturity often comes a kind of idealism about the world, uh, where we have these abstract principles that we say, we're going to live by no matter what, and this is the way things are supposed to be, so they better be this way, right? And so you're in this position of, of idealism, and you look out at your church, and you say, well, my pastor's sermon was boring, and I was kind of falling asleep during the prayer, and I really don't like a lot of the people that are in the pews next to me, and man, this, you know, kind of music that we're singing is not what I would think is going to actually uh, bring people in or, or you know, uh, that we would enjoy more or that I even, you know, that I think God is most honored by, and so there's all of these problems that I can see. But then uh, I find online this pastor who seems to be saying all the right things. And everything that I watch from them, they seem like they have it all together and their church must be great because this is the kind of the, you know, this is the branding, right? This is what I see on the outside. And so everything must be going really well for them. In other words, then we're doing something wrong, but they're doing it right. And and so we need to start doing it like them. I need to follow them because they have it together, right? They know where they're going. They know how to do it. They know how to serve God best. So maybe I should be following them. Let me pause just right here. If you're a listener and you don't have in mind one of the podcast feeds you subscribe to right now, you need to think about who you feel this way about. Right, it could be an old new Calvinist. It could be Matt Chandler. It could be Tim Keller. It could be someone else now, though. If you're more, if you have been disenchanted by those things, but I guarantee this is playing a role in how you, f- in what you think about the state of the church compared to what you consume online. So this is a, a concept that I think a lot about uh, that. I call, you know, virtual reality. And virtual reality, obviously, is not something I made up. (laughs) Uh, Obviously, you've heard that phrase before. But in my mind, like, I use this as a kind of a a categorical way of understanding anything that disconnects you from the the immediate or the source of of what it is you're consuming. And so in this way— So a uh, tangible, physical, present reality— that's right. So, so it's you're you're disconnected from the the real, uh, and there's something in between that is making you see the world through some kind of you know rose-colored glasses or or seen it in a way that's not actually the case. So in this in this case, what you have is this: you go online, and this is a like this is a well-known like sociological fact, right? That uh, Social media often produces depression in people because they go on Facebook if they're, you know, uh, older than uh, 40, and then they go on Twitter or they go on Instagram, and they see all of their friends and all these other people they know and all these celebrities, and they're living their best life, and they're having such a good time, and they're, they're like working through all these issues, and everything looks so nice and sweet, and everything is going well for them, but in my life, things aren't going well. 
and I'm depressed and I'm unhappy and I don't like my job and I don't like I'm not living my best life and all of these things and I'm not near as pretty as that. And so all of a sudden it creates this discontentment and this feeling of, well, everyone else has it together, but I don't. Uh, and this is, I think, what happens in the church, too, is you, you look around, you say, well, I, I think my church is going the wrong direction, or, you know, my, my elders or my pastor, like, they're, they're really making a mistake here. And uh, then I see this other church somewhere else, and I don't see the really messy congregational meeting, and I don't see the, you know, church discipline that's going on. I don't see the, you know, the power plays and the guilt manipulation that's going on. All I see is the branding, right? Mm-hmm. All I see is the good-looking yeah. stuff, the the sermons uh, that are, you know, edited down and the well-produced music and all of these things and all that, like this beautiful website and all of these, you know, uh, great things that you can find on the website, they must have it all together. Yeah. But you're disconnected from what the reality probably is. And this allows you, in a kind of immature idealism, to raise someone else up as if they have all the answers, they know what they're doing, whereas everything that I see around me just isn't in the same place. And what's important is it's not that well-branded or, you know, well-put-together online ministries or content are a sign there's something wrong right but it is a it is not necessarily a sign there's something right because again, so let me say oh go go ahead uh, i was going to say you know the the con example is marcel church right driscoll was the best at this you know one positive example of course is the restless podcast which as you know yes. is is quite excellent at the online game but uh what were you going to say well, I was going to point out the fact that uh, if you are listening to this podcast, we do edit it. <laughs> there are things that we make mistakes on or, you know, mess up. And sometimes we leave them in. A lot of times they get cut out. Sometimes when Matt asks me a question and I just sit here for a second because I have no idea what I'm going to say and I have to really think about it, that does not usually make it into the actual podcast. And, and also, and will this make that, it? You know, Yes, and us talking over each other, which is going to make it now, right? Right. Now it has to. You have to include some of it. So that's not bad, right? We're, we're not saying editing is bad. I don't even think branding is bad, right? Oh. Because I think that, that uh, branding, in a sense, is just, you know, showing forth. Like, it's it's showing your reputation, right? It's a, it's a kind of, of you know, uh, open public resume of who you are, what you're like. And you don't have to include everything horrible about yourself in a resume, right? right? Uh, but it has to be real to who you actually are. That's right. the other thing. It, it can't be fake, right? right? So it, it doesn't have to include all the you know, stuff you edit out, but it does have to be true and real. Uh, you know, so your accomplishments can't just be perceived. They have to be something that you've earned. Otherwise, like, that's a bubble that inevitably is going to burst at some point. Right. They're, they're tools, which means... There are things we yes. can use. I do think before we talk about the the direct intersection with this with New Calvinism, maybe the other important thing to say is, to some degree, obviously this form is related to some technology things, other cultural things going on. To, to look for leaders like this is somewhat natural, right? Israel asks, we want a king like the other nations, right? 
Give us give why isn't Moses more well spoken? Uh oh, the, the apostles are men of no repute. Right? This this is somewhat natural to us as humans, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I wanna be very upfront and say I don't have a problem with somebody accumulating influence uh based upon their, you know, accomplishments, right? I I don't have a problem with somebody proving themselves and thus gaining a higher status as a, a leader. Okay, I am not, a, you know, an egalitarian. I'm not a, a, you know, a strong proponent of, you know, kind of democratic virtues where everybody has a say in everything. Right. Uh, and, you know, everybody is equal in how they think about things. I'm not at all. I have no problem with hierarchy. Right. right. I know that's like a curse word in our society. But, like, I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with somebody who is the best at something, right, and proving that, then being able to speak into an issue uh, as if they were the best. Yeah. That's totally fine by me. What, what I'm realizing as we talk about this, has, one of the reasons I love doing this show is I, I have realizations as we do it. Yeah, it's not that, you know, Michael and I are not here to push for egalitarianism pure democratization though these these uh you know there's the some of these things have have good benefits but what celebrity culture is is it's because there are always going to be some degree of a hierarchy it's just a deformed hierarchy i think so yeah i think that's a good way of looking at it it's a deformed hierarchy and so michael do you think it's basically inarguable this intersected and was a big part of new calvinism i think it's inarguable in the sense that like you can't you can't you can't escape it as a cultural phenomenon Mm. Uh, like we live in a culture right we live in a time and a place uh, amongst a particular people and that inevitably influences how we think why we think the way we do we have like there are so many things working on us, the technology we have, the entertainment we consume, that like inevitably it plays a role. Now, how much of a role, that's different depending on the case, right? So uh, there's there's going to be some people who, you know, really played into the celebrity and some people who didn't. Some people who like self-consciously tried to avoid it, right? Like that, it's going to be different in every case. And we don't want to necessarily, although we, we like sometimes using a broad brush, you could come back over that broad brushstroke of us saying the new Calvinism was, in essence, a part of celebrity culture. Uh, and we could, you know, kind of, you know, put in some detail over top of that and say, well, over here, not as much. And in this area, maybe not as much. But, but generally speaking, I do think it's inarguable that celebrity culture heavily influenced the movement. Right. And it's the, it's, I think it's the self-aware social media iteration of celebrity culture i i again i think it is inarguable right go back to our second part of our naming names uh episode we discussed the biggest names in colin hansen's book right he organizes his investigation of new calvinism around major figures right this is a you know it was all about who was platformed where who was one of the uh, mainstay bloggers at the Gospel Coalition who spoke at these big conferences, right? 
John Piper is a big deal because he was the he was the great speaker to college students, right? I just think that again, we don't we're not saying it's all bad. I just think it is a we need to examine this aspect of it. Let me just read uh, one quote from Tim Challies that I think just shows this, the new Calvinist being self-aware of the influence of celebrity culture and also feeling kind of bad about it, but also not knowing what else to do. Uh, Shally says, we have a love-hate relationship with celebrity culture. We who consider ourselves in the new Calvinism hate the idea of celebrity, but no, have no idea how to avoid the reality. We say we hate celebrity culture, yet stories about our celebrities dominate blogs, periodicals. A sure way to draw a massive amount of tr- of traffic is to write about each new scandal connected to celebrities. We see the dangers posed by a culture of celebrity, but also see that, to some degree, it's unavoidable. After all, there are men and women who we honor, respect, and look up to who are worthy of our regard and worthy of the leadership we give them. And so he talks about, you know, how he's been invited to talk on different things simply because of his notoriety, right? That this, he gets this authority transfer. And listen, that is like, it is a hard place to be, right? Because uh, you want to use the influence that God gives you for, you know, for his kingdom, for a purpose, Uh, you know, like if God gives you influence, like I would use it, you know, like I would, I would want to do something with it. Right. And I think to be faithful, you, you have to, but you are in this really difficult position. Yeah. I think the, the thing that has happened with celebrity culture in new Calvinism and probably evangelicalism as a whole is celebrity culture is our ecclesiology. Now, what are the principles? What are some of the big planks of what are the, uh, the eight marks of, a celebrity culture ecclesiology and here are just a few i thought of actually we would love it if you're listening to the show and you think of one we know we haven't gotten them all uh we'd love to hear them because we'd love to collect the best ones somewhere so here are a few of mine and we'll see what uh pastor michael thinks of them so you can stop me just you know if there's one you want to talk about specifically so one uh we use our associations with a specific teacher uh, to mark us the way denominations or confessions used to. We've already talked about this. Two, we look at those um, in these these celebrity pastors as if they have authority on every issue. We look to celebrities to guide us regardless of their expertise on any specific subject. Right, so that's the crossover of, you know, uh, Christian leaders— you know, well-known pastors into the area of politics, where maybe there's some overlap, or into, you know, the area of entertainment, or, you know, like there are these different kind of, you know, moves. Right. Three, we have my disagreement with a celebrity pastor is incredibly suspect, and I need to have a lot of evidence to back up my claim, to prove that my disagreement is allowable, and preferably me be able to cite another celebrity pastor who agrees with me, right? You often, the, the most, the like most pedestrian way you hear this is the, um, I say, you know, I, I believe we should baptize children. And they go, John Piper, you're going to disagree with John Piper on this? And we've heard that, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, you hear that So one. John Piper is wrong, right? And then 
the the simplest way people respond is well rc sproul or you know like we list other other of these kinds of figures to disagree number four opportunity to serve christ is largely equated with to speak or write or be involved with one of these celebrity endorsed platforms Mm. five the celebrities form a gatekeeper class and so ordination is now receiving approval from these this group of celebrities or being platformed by them yeah and if any of the major names want to plug restless we're right here and we would welcome your endorsement tgc if you want to put us on the front page yep new new young restless reform podcast we're right here for you yep uh tgc gatekeepers we love you love to have you on the show um we'd love to have you uh, no doubt the way the church gathers with celebrity culture is via multi-site and conferences because the presence in some form of a celebrity is a key element to how we worship yeah huh seven this has created effectively a new hierarchy in church governance there are normal shepherds serving like pastor michael and then they are functionally their authority is overshadowed by the celebrity class of pastors if michael disagrees with a celebrity pastor i'm probably unhappy with him yes and then number eight and again like i said there are probably more church discipline is done via like mass media audience uh, especially for uh, new Calvinist social media. The censures can range from a strongly worded tweet uh, to a blog where I take you apart to deplatforming you if you were once with us. And then the final one, which is just pretending you don't exist online anymore. Yeah. So my uh, add on to all of this is basically we have uh, developed a new Episcopal system, right? Where right. you have basically new bishops right the these these celebrity uh, pastors become the new bishop right when when the bishop comes to your church like this is a big deal right like you want to be a part of the you know of the communion service that this bishop brings and and he has particular authority to ordain to platform right to to allow certain people to speak and not others uh, it's it's also a bishop is very often, you know, uh, given a particular, you know, geographical area that they are over, yes. you know, so you have the Bishop of St. Louis, the Bishop of Chicago. And what do we, I mean, what do we have in the kind of typical new Calvinist celebrity pastor, you know, and I celebrity pastor, I'm not trying to use it as a smear. I, again, I, I don't want to print with too broad a brush. I know that uh, there are guys who we could list who would say they don't want that at all. You know, right. like I, I know that uh, many of these men are very humble servants of God, so that's not what we're trying to do. But from a cultural perspective, like you have basically new bishops. So you have the bishop of Minneapolis and the bishop of Seattle and the bishop of Manhattan and so on and like, so forth, right? And and But that's why we need you to do a daily Ask Me Anything podcast, right? Like, honestly, if... Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and right... There aren't cathedrals, there are conferences where I go to get the kind of grace I can only receive in that location. Right. 
Right. The, the conferences are a particular thing. Like if you haven't been there, you don't understand like what God's doing, how he's acting. Like, like this is the real deal. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's obvious if you're, if you're with us, right. We've just basically said like, Hey, look, it has introduced a foreign ecclesiology to the church. Celebrity culture is our ecclesiology. And that's and that's bad. But I, I think the other thing I've realized is that it um there are maybe two kind of features of it that we can that we fu- we we definitely see the deforming, not reforming, the deforming of the church because of it. I would say the first one is it it has degraded the power and authority of the church. I mean that locally and I mean that um, even on the universal level. Because now how we respond to ecclesiastical conflict or, um, or a problem is we do through, through the avenues of celebrity, right? A pastor, right, how does John Piper address uh, Rob Bell? Twitter, right? These pastors, um, these the 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 church dis the discipline of the church is now being done via social media videos and blogs. We tell our followers, don't listen to that person anymore. Rather than through the courts of the church, where there is a biblical, structured method for doing church discipline of both members and elders. Now, Michael. This, this isn't our ad for Presbyterianism. And maybe this is a worse thing for Presbyterianism in this case. I give, I give a little bit of, of grace to the evangelicals because this is all they have to do this kind yeah. of church discipline or accountability. Yeah, absolutely. I was just thinking this as you were saying that. Like, what else are you going to do? You know, like, what, what else can you do uh, when you have an influential leader uh, within your church because he's publishing books and he's platformed by, you know, David C. Cook or like one of these like well-known evangelical right. publishers. And yet you know that what they're doing is wrong and you have zero, like there's no ecclesiastical connection where you can say, hey, I'm going to take this to the church court that is, you know, over both of us because there's a problem here. You really don't have anything else. And so I, I really don't like... Again, I don't want to blame a lot of these guys for doing this kind of stuff. It's it's literally all you have. Right. The blameworthy thing actually does fall on confessional reformed believers. Mm-hmm. If if it's our people, which sometimes it is, are are off base, then it is us not using the actual reformed church courts to go yeah. after these things. And we still often retreat to the other ecclesiology, the celebrity ecclesiology yeah. of, well, you know, no, of course, you know how I feel about X contentious issue. You saw what I wrote about it. Right. Right. You heard my podcast about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that strikes home, right? How, how many of, the issues that are dealt with regularly on social media should be being dealt with in the courts of our church. Right. And I I think the other 
kind of issue is we do see it, it it has to be it becomes inherently tribal and i know it we actually we use tribe as a positive way and i'm not necessarily using it negatively like who's my tribe right we you know that that's a i it's a, i don't know why it's kind of a again it's another one of these things right well the, the, the it happens for two reasons one big eva you know even the biggest celebrities especially the biggest new calvinist celebrities I know it's hard for you to believe, especially if you are like you've just been immersed in New Calvinism for years. These people are nobodies outside of our circles. And this is just to uh, you know add on to some of what we were saying before. One of the things that that uh, happens when you do something like start a podcast or you know start you know doing one of these things, make a blog, is you realize that really doesn't take much right like it it is uh it's not anybody at this point anybody can do it and probably does you know like anybody can and probably does right a person saying i have a podcast does not equate i have an expertise i'm sharing with someone right (laughs) except in certain cases certain cases when it has to do with niche theological movements in which case maybe this podcast aside of course <laughs> that doesn't happen but this podcast brought to you by also this podcast yes. uh, we have no we have no endorsements <laughs> exactly i don't we'll have to find a way to start like we've interviewed not interviewed by just like we've talked to we convinced yes. the person to get on and talk to us um, but right but what that means is like michael might listen to teachers i've never heard of and because we use them to mark like who's orthodox and who's good well i actually don't even they're not a big enough celebrity for me to even know right like obviously there are some that are big enough if you're like yeah i i get a lot from joel osteen i'm gonna go my goodness you might be lost right there are there are certain names that rise that are this well known but we're we're all operating in all these little bubbles and then the second thing is as the yrr has splintered as this this is right. This is why we're doing the show because we've watched this. Is once a group of people get together and do something I really disagree with, my recourse is I get my other group of friends together and I hold the counter conference, right? I hold the the social justice or the anti social justice contents or the you know the the grace conference and i show the law and gospel conference and we just and it becomes this inherently tribal entity to counter the corrupt conference that used to be the good conference yeah yeah and i think that this is like you said like this is inevitable within this system and the answer to it really seems to be this need for uh, like sound ecclesiology, right? Like a sound understanding of the church, what it's for, the proper boundaries within which pastors are supposed to operate and under what authority uh, they get to teach and and preach. And uh, it just shows the need, you know, in this seems to arise because of a lack of you know, uh, a sound or at least like clearly laid out ecclesiology that makes, you know, that 
that covers all of these issues, that covers these, like, what do you do if, you know, this other pastor starts teaching something false? Is there a way to remedy that that's not just go on social media? Uh, and if there's not, well, then that's all I can do. But you really need to have, like, a, a sound confession and a sound you know, dare I say, like book of church order, something that that tells you, hey, here's how we go about this. And you need, like, you need to have uh, accountability within the system where you have a way, you have a, a, a means of appeal when there are these kinds of problems. And so I want to say that, again, influence in itself is not bad, right? Branding in itself is not bad. Like, uh, growing in notoriety is definitely not a bad thing. That can be a fine thing, and it can be a blessing from God. It really can be. But there is this unnatural, uh, disorderly, and chaotic means of attaining these things or using these things. And this is, I think, what we are talking about when we talk about celebrity culture. And so here, I want to read uh, from 1 Timothy 3 when it's talking about the qualifications for uh, elders in the church. 1 Timothy 3 verse 1 says this, The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer or elder, he desires a noble task. And you see here, like this, this desire to be, say, a leader in the church, you know, this, this aspiration to be in a position of influence, that in itself, like that, that is an aspiration toward a noble thing, right? That that goal is noble. Now, if you said your aspiration is to be able to, you know, get to the point where enough people know me that, you know, I I'm able to lead them astray in some way. Uh, obviously, nobody does that self-consciously. Well, maybe. Maybe there are some who are doing it self-consciously, but for the most part, like, you know, people who begin to teach something that is false, they, like, they often really believe it. Um, so they wouldn't put it that way. But obviously, if you were aspiring that kind of influence, influence in that way, or if you said, like, you were aspiring to, to a, a place of influence so that others would love you more and look to you more and you could grow in, in you know, your glory uh, that, that you could... Uh, be be glorified all the more, obviously we would say that's super problematic. But to aspire to a role of influence and leadership uh, in the church is not necessarily a bad thing. But it has to be for the ends of God's glory, right? So it's you are you are just a part of, the instrument whereby you are giving glory to God, you are building up the church. The The end goal isn't for you, right? The, the end goal is not you. The end goal has to be outside of you, right? For the building up of the church as defined in the word, right? You are leading others to something else. And I think toward that end, like this has to be something that you, it has to be more organic too. And this is where the danger of branding can come in. Uh, if you have not proven yourself in your family life, why should anybody else follow you or lead you? This is actually the logic that Paul uses in 1 Timothy 3, right? If, if an elder has not proved himself, if a man has not proved himself in his household, how could he be put in charge of the household of God? 
And I think maybe even beyond that, like if you haven't proven yourself in your household and you haven't proven yourself in the household of God, why should you have influence or say anywhere else, right? Like if, if your church is a mess, then why should you have any say in how someone else's church is run? That's like, that's just not for you, you know, like that's, you've not proven yourself to get to that point. And even just saying that requires that you have a way of judging those things, of being able to be aware of those things, uh, almost like having, uh, you know, uh, leaders of the church who are accountable to others in graded courts. Right. Well, it's whether or not you're following the, the details of ecclesiology well, it is, right, it's a noble task. Why? Because to pursue it is you are saying, I'm putting aside a lot of other pursuits I could have. And I would say part of the acceptance of the, the task in church leadership is the, the cultural expectations of celebrity, right? That would, that'd be a good thing for us to think about. But why does it have to come, right? Why do you need to prove yourself? Why are these standards? Why are there, why am I accountable? Why does there need to be these exterior things? Why does it even need this level? Does it need to be organic? Because who is the only head of the church? Who is the only king and ruler of the church? It's Jesus Christ is the exclusive king of the church. And so all who serve in it serve at his pleasure and for his purposes and for his namesake. Please leave a five-star review and join us next time for more wrestling.